Last week, we went through the New Testament showing the problem with the Jewish people in the new dispensation of the church age and what to do about the old dispensation of the age of the law under Moses. Is there a new covenant that God has or are they still under the old covenant? And that was the problem. We read a little bit from Acts chapter 15, the Jerusalem Council, where Peter stood up and said, why do we want to put a yoke on the neck of the Gentiles that neither we nor our fathers could bear? I mean, trying to keep the law. And today, people that try to keep the law and meet on Friday and Saturday and, and do part of the Jewish law, well, you know, when we read about all the things that are in the Jewish law, they don't want to do them all. I mean, it is very, very tough, that law. And if you break one point, you're guilty of breaking it all. So there's nobody that isn't guilty. That's what Paul says in the New Testament. So most of the letters in the New Testament uh, address this subject of are we under the law or are we under grace? They're two separate things, either one or the other. And he's, Paul says we're under grace. If it's grace, it isn't law. And if it's law, it isn't grace. So you don't mix the two, as many denominations are doing today. Many Christian denominations are mixing it. Anyway, we don't want to mix it. And Galatians is about this, so that anybody that you know that's mixing it, uh, go back and read the whole book of Galatians, because that really defines that we're not under that law of Moses. We're under a new law, which uh, is even better. And we can keep it because of the Holy Spirit who indwells us and gives us the power to say no. We see all along in the Old Testament they were not able to, they were stiff-necked and they wouldn't do anything that God told them to do. So let's turn back then. Uh, we've seen that the law is in three parts. We saw the moral law, which is the Ten Commandments. But see, there's more to the law of Moses than just the Ten Commandments, that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, you know, and not have any idols, and not have adultery, and not murder, not steal, all these things. But the second part is the civil part. How do you get along with your neighbor? What about the laws to, for, for civil government? That the third part, which is where we are now, is the ceremonial part. So that God said, you can't keep the law, there's no way of approach to me, you have to be perfect, the only way is a blood sacrifice, and so he made the, the way that they could have their sins covered over until the Savior would come, until Jesus would come. So that's what atonement means. It covers it over or propitiates it, sin, until Jesus comes. Before we start, let's ask God to bless us. Lord, we thank you for this time in your word. Bless these things that have passed away, as we see that Moses, when he was up at the mount, when he came down, the skin of his face shone. And this very thrilling to think of, and he had to put a veil over his face to hide what was passing away. That the law, he was, he was getting the law of Moses, but it was passing away. Anyway, so Lord, we just ask that you bless us today as we look at these things in Jesus' wonderful name, amen. So we've seen that God said, I'm going to make a tent of meeting, a tent where you can meet with me. You were all in tents anyway. They had to be in a tent at Mount Horeb. And so they had to bring 
willingly of all that they had taken from Egypt. They didn't have any money, but when they left Egypt, they spoiled the Egyptians. So in the 25th chapter, the materials for building this tabernacle are given. Then, first of all, God starts with the ark and the mercy seat. Uh, this holy of holies, only the high priest could go in once a year and not without blood for himself and for the people. And the next one is for the priests where they had showbread on the table. And uh, that was their food, 12 like pizzas, big things that they would eat all that during the week. And then the lampstand and the table of showbread and um, the altar of incense were in there. Then the ordinary people, when they wanted to come, they would come through that gate at that end and all of the same colors, the red, the blue, uh, the white, uh, red, white, and blue. Uh, all of these colors picture something about the Savior that would come. First of all, that he would come from heaven, blue, white, that he's pure, red, his blood would be shed, lavender, that he's the king, he's royalty. All of these colors, it's just thrilling. And we talked, I told you last week that they put four different robes on Jesus. And they were all these different colored robes at the crucifixion. They dressed him up, you know, you're the king. So they put him a purple robe and then a, a red, so that you see all of this in the gospels. But so God said to Moses, speak to the children of Israel, chapter 25, that they bring me an offering. From everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering and then you shall take uh, gold and silver and bronze and blue and purple and scarlet yarn, fine linen thread and goat's hair, ram skins dyed red. The ram skins dyed red, it had to be for the blood. Badger skins or porpoise leather, whichever it was, that was the outer court, which was probably a dark blue that would be rainproof and weatherproof. And that would be the outer covering so that rain wouldn't come in. Badger skins, they called here, but probably porpoise leather, acacia wood. It's a hard desert wood that used in the tabernacle. Oil for the light and spices for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the effigy in the breastplate, and let them make me a sanctuary, God said to Moses, that I may dwell among them. God wanted to dwell in the midst of his people. Now, where does he dwell in the midst of his people today in this new covenant? We don't have a tabernacle. This is our tabernacle. Your tent, your body is your tent. That's where he dwells today. That's why it's important that we take care of our tabernacles and our tent. We only have one, and we shouldn't abuse it. We should really take care of it for the Lord. But that's what 1 Corinthians tells us, that we represent the Lord here on the earth, we're the light of the world. He's gone. He was the light of the world. He's up there. Who's the light? We are. Now, sometimes it's very dimly shining out of the tabernacle, but it should shine brightly to the world so that they know that we're different. So first they made the ark, which is a small box, which was just actually three and three-fourths feet long and two and a half, I think, feet high. I wrote it down here someplace. But it was a small little box, covered over with gold, and there was only one thing in it at first, that was the, the Ten Commandments in stone, and then later on, Aaron's rod that budded. But so, 
that represented the throne of God with cherubim with their wings overspread, their high angelic creatures. And so the mercy seat was the lid for it, or the covering. And that's the same word as atonement. Um, you shall make a mercy seat, verse 17. And make two cherubim of gold, of hammered work, you shall make them at two ends of the mercy seat. One cherub at one end, the other at the other end. So it was a very beautiful place. And imagine going in, the first covering for the tabernacle was of fine twined linen. It was sewn together um, and very lovely because it had also on it cherubim and gold thread all through it. So the priests coming into the holy place, they would see this glorious thing shining from the lampstand that was lit. The gold would shine and, well, it was just very, very beautiful and awesome. So then that was the covering for this, the first covering for this. See, then each one had more colors. Each one had a different meaning. This is all the different colors. Then the next, it tells exactly how to do it. We're going to read that later. The curtains, we stopped about the lampstand. It was probably $3 million worth of gold in this golden lampstand. Only God could have given them the ability to make this because it was out of one hammered piece of gold. Like Michelangelo could do a statue out of one piece of marble. But this and had place for the olive oil to go. Well, it was very lovely. Then the lampstand and the table for showbread was hardwood covered over with gold. Everything was gold. And then on the lampstand, it had four bowls to hold the oil, and then they would drip down into the receptacle. And what it had is it has bud and blossom and fruit on them all at once, which is a miracle, isn't it? But that we see that repeated literally with Aaron's rod that budded. It had not only to prove that family was to be the priesthood family later on, it had when his rod, just an empty staff, it had buds and blossom and fruit on it all at once. But that's only God, he can do anything. So you read all about this. Then the curtains in chapter 26 and the boards, the curtains fit over perfectly. And the final one, the, this dark one, was a little bigger. It's goat's hair. Uh, they had black goats. And the goat was the animal that was the substitute, not the substitute, the lamb was the substitute. That's this one. Ram skins dyed red, but this was the one that they sent the goat away, the goat of atonement. And so uh, each one, the goats here pictured a sin offering. And then later on, they sent one goat, a scapegoat, out into the wilderness. So the one is for sin, and the other goat represents that when you believe in Jesus, your sins are taken care of. They're gone. They're out into as far as the goat could go. And so all of this, it tells verse 14 of 26 you shall also make a covering of ram skins dyed red for the tent and a covering of badger skins or porpoise leather for the outside now there are whole books on this I mean you can spend hours and years really studying the tabernacle and the, the meanings of it and I wish that you would do that because I think Dr. Olford wrote a book on it uh, I have other books on it uh, Dr. Ironside has one. 
then the boards of the tabernacle. The roof were four layers of leather and cloth and other, and the boards that held it up, they had two feet on the bottom of the boards, they're called tenons, and they were anchored in great big blocks of silver. Silver in the Bible always pictures, just as gold pictures deity, silver pictures redemption. So these boards, it's based on redemption, this whole thing. You're redeemed and brought back to God by the blood of the Lamb. All this points to Jesus. So you'll make the boards of acacia wood, cover them over with gold. Then the, you make the veil for it. The veil had to be the divider between the holy place and that veil was gorgeous. It was gold and all these colors were woven in it and had cherubim in it. And it's what, when Jesus died on the cross, in a larger version of it in Herod's temple, it was the one that was ripped into from the top to the bottom, signifying the way into the holiest is now open. Only then, it only could go with the high priest once a year, but now it's open. And we're all believer priests and we can go directly to God's throne. See, now we, the veil is torn in two, and we can go boldly. This meant keep out, but now in the New Testament, now come freely, come. So who can say that there isn't a difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant? A world of difference, isn't it? Stay out, come now, come near. In the Old Testament, don't come near God. Now, come near God a different in all every way you look at it there's difference then the court of the temple the brass altar brass always speaks of judgment chapter 27 you'll make an altar of acacia wood seven and a half by four and a half feet high and this was the place of judgment that's what bronze always speaks of this is where the animal had that had horns on it and it would be tied to the altar and and uh, had grating for the ashes to fall through. It, the animals were tied there. They didn't want to be there. But Jesus went and put himself freely, died freely. They didn't, but they did die, and their blood covered the sins of the people for the time being. So you'll put under the rim of the altar beneath, and network, maybe midway up the altar, you shall make poles for the altar. It had to be carried. All these things had to be carried. So they all had poles and places for the poles to go through. And they had to carry them if they did it with their hands. Later on, we see somebody died because they touched the ark. The animals were jiggling it when the Philistines had stolen the ark away and David got it back. They didn't bring it the right way. They didn't carry it on its poles. They touched it. Well, they died. See, our God is a consuming fire. You come to him his way or you don't come. There's one way, and if you don't come, it's too bad you don't come. So the courtyard and then the oil. You shall command in verse 20 that they bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to cause the lamp to burn continually. It had to burn morning and evening. Aaron and his son shall tend it from evening till morning before the Lord, verse 21 of chapters 27. It shall be a statute forever to their generations on behalf of the children of Israel. Then you come to the priest's garments. Now take Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the children of Israel. 
that he may minister to me as priest, Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and beauty. So you shall speak to all who are gifted artisans, whom I have filled. God said, they're going to be specially filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to sanctify him, that he may minister to me as priests. And these are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate, an ephod, a robe, a skillfully woven tunic, a turban, and a sash, so they shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother and his sons, that he may minister to me as priest. And they shall take the gold and blue and purple and scarlet thread and fine linen, and they shall make the ephod of gold, blue, and purple and scarlet thread, same color, see, and fine linen thread artistically woven. It shall have two shoulder straps, and you can see the high priest there, joined at its two edges, and it shall be joined together. And the intricately woven band of the ephod, which is on it, shall be of the same workmanship, woven of gold and blue and purple and scarlet thread and fine linen thread. Then you shall take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel. Remember, they were to take from Egypt the onyx stone, and so they would have the engraver art these were to be on the shoulders, onyx stones, and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel, six on one shoulder and six on the other one according to their birth, with the work of an engraver in stone, like the engravings of a signet. You shall engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel. You shall set them in settings of gold, and you shall put the two stones on the shoulders of the ephod as memorial stones for the sons of Israel. So Aaron shall bear the names, the names of the twelve tribes before the Lord on his shoulders as a memorial. So if this is a picture of our heavenly high priest, does he bear our names to the Lord, you know, it's just thrilling to think of that the Lord would do this. So Aaron, on his shoulders, he always was to be thinking of the twelve tribes. You shall also make settings of gold, and you shall make two chains of pure gold, like braided cords, and fasten the braided chains to the settings. Uh, you shall make the breastplate of judgment, artistically woven according to the workmanship. Now this breastplate of judgment was like a muff that they could judge right and wrong and yes and no. Now whether it spoke, it maybe spoke a whole sentence. I mean, maybe it lit up, one lit up, yes. But I think it's more than that, really. I, I think probably they talked to them in Hebrew, these stones, telling, should I go to war or shouldn't I? David, yes, you can go, you're gonna win. Or you, no, don't go. But this is a breastplate of judgment. You shall make the breastplate artistically woven according to the workmanship of the ephod you shall make it, of gold and blue and purple and scarlet thread and of fine linen thread you shall make it. It shall be doubled into a square. A span shall be its length and a span its width. That would be like a span of a man's hand. In the first you shall put settings of stones, four rows of stones. In the first row shall be a sardius, topaz, and emerald. This shall be the first row. The second row shall be a turquoise, sapphire, and diamond. The third row a jacinth, an agate, and an amethyst. In the fourth row a beryl, an onyx, and a jasper. They shall be set in gold settings. And when you read the book of Revelation, you see these same stones mentioned. 
mean, all through the Bible, it's so thrilling, but here's where it, it starts. They shall be set in gold settings, and the stone shall have the names of the sons of Israel, twelve, according to their names, like the engravings of a signet. So the high priest was to bear the names of the twelve tribes, his people, on his heart, over his heart. Now, who's doing that in heaven for you and for me today? Jesus is doing that for us today. So, you shall make chains for the breastplate at the end, like braided cords of pure gold. You shall make two rings of gold for the breastplate, and put the two rings on the two ends of the breastplate. Then you shall put the two braided chains of gold in the two rings which are on the ends of the breastplate, and the other two ends of the two braided chains you shall fasten to the two settings, and put them on the shoulder straps <coughs> of the ephod on the front. You shall make two rings of gold, put them on the two ends of the breastplate, on the edge of it which is on the inner side of the ephod. Two other rings of gold you shall make, put them on the two shoulder straps underneath the ephod toward the front, right at the seam above the intricately woven band of the ephod. Is similar to an apron, but it had the Urim and Thummim inside. There were two, probably a black stone and a gold <coughs> stone. That's where they get the idea. The black stone rejects, the white stone elects. So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel, verse 29, on the breastplate of judgment over his heart when he goes into the holy place as a memorial before the Lord continually. And you shall put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be over Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. So Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel over his heart before the Lord continually. And then as I was reading on last night, Aaron is the very one that enabled them to make the golden calf for, to worship. And he knew all of this. But see, this shows you that nobody has ever kept the law. Nobody is worth it. But this is Aaron's job and he failed miserably. They all failed. So, you shall make the robe of the ephod of all blue. There shall be an opening for its head in the middle of it. It shall have a woven binding all around its opening like the opening of a coat of mail so that it doesn't tear. And upon its hem, you shall make pomegranates. The word is rimen of blue and purple and scarlet yarn all around them and bells of gold between them all around, a golden bell and a pomegranate a golden bell, and Dr. Mount says the pomegranate is understood as the fruit of the tree of good and evil, not an apple, but the pomegranate. So as they put a pomegranate and then a bell, and a pomegranate, so that it announces the fall as he's uh, going in and the bells tinkle. Well, that's what he says that it's supposed to represent. It shall be upon Aaron when he ministers, and its sound will be heard of the bells when he goes in the holy place before the Lord and when he comes out that he may not die. You shall also make a plate, a miter, of pure gold and engrave on it like the engraving of a signet, holiness to the Lord. Now the last verses of Zechariah the prophet is that when Jesus comes back to rule the earth, the horses will have this engraved on their harnesses, holiness to the Lord. It's just it's all the way through the Bible, holiness to the Lord, holy, holy, holy. Well, why three holies? Holy is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So holiness to the Lord. See, the people were represented before God by the high priest. So that's the whole teaching of the book of Hebrews about the high priest. That they had to be 
a person that God chose and he was the one to represent the person, the mediator between man. Well, who's our high priest? Jesus is the mediator between me and God and you and God, Jesus is. And you shall put it on the blue cord, this mitre, that it may be on the turban. It shall be on the front of the turban, on his head. So it shall be on Aaron's forehead, and that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things which the children of Israel hallow in all their holy gifts. And it shall always be on his forehead, that they may be accepted before the Lord. You shall skillfully weave the tunic of fine linen thread. You shall make the turban of fine linen, and you shall make the sash of woven work. God's very detailed in all of this. So it must mean a lot of things that our covering and our clothing, that it matters to God. It's very particular. For Aaron's sons you shall make tunics, and you shall make sashes for them, and you shall make hats for them for glory and beauty. So you shall put them on Aaron your brother and on his sons with him. You shall anoint them, consecrate them, and sanctify them, that they may minister to me as priests. And you shall make for them linen trousers to cover their nakedness. They shall reach from the waist to the thighs. They shall be on Aaron and on his sons when they come into the tabernacle of meeting or when they come near the altar to minister in the holy place that they do not incur iniquity and die. It shall be a statute forever to him and his descendants after him. So nakedness is a type of the shame of sin. And I think it was Dr. McGee or Dr. Ironside said, the, con the moral condition of a nation, you can tell by the nakedness or, or clothing of the women. Now look at America today, and it's going down, 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 isn't it? And this is what you shall do to, to these priests, to consecrate them, to hallow them for ministering to me as priests. Take one young bull and two rams without blemish. Now the bull, how many of you still have your picture of the gospel and the stars. They knew the names of these stars, but in the front of my Leviticus, I put down here Taurus the bull, the bullet. Then the main star is the governor, and the next star, another main star, is the governor who would be slain, and then the coming Lord slain as a sacrifice. Now they knew this, so they had to bring a bullock, and Adam knew this. Eve knew this. Noah knew all of this. They knew this all through the Old Testament by the names of these stars. Like Aries the ram, Christ is our substitute, Genesis 22. The ram, the lamb is. And the goat is Christ our sin bearer. See, these different animals are all in the, the star pictures. It's thrilling how God has woven this all together. The witness in the heavens and the witness in the Bible. That both of them witnessed to him. And so Capricornus is the goat of atonement. Aries is the ram, our substitute. The goat is slain for the redeemed. And Taurus, the bull, is Jesus Christ, the God-man, the last Adam. So that it pictures that they were to bring a young bull and two rams without blemish. So the bull pictures that the governor the one who's in charge would die and be slain. The coming Lord, the Savior, would be slain as a sacrifice. So bring a young bull that pictures this and two rams without blemish. The ram was lamb, perfect little lamb, and unleavened bread, no sin in it, no, no yeast. 
and cakes mixed with oil, and unleavened wafers anointed with oil, so you shall make them of wheat flour. You shall put them in one basket, bring them in the basket with the bull and the two rams, and Aaron and his sons you shall bring to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and you shall wash them with water. Titus 3, 5 says the washing of water by the word, that's represented that that the labor of cleansing. They had to be clean before they could serve. They that bear the vessels of the Lord must be clean, we read in the Old Testament. So then you shall take the garments, put the tunic on Aaron and the robe of the ephod and the ephod and the breastplate and gird him with the intricately woven band of the ephod. You shall put the turban on his head and put the holy crown on the turban. And you shall take the anointing oil pour it on his head and anoint him. Then you shall bring his sons and put tunics on them. You shall gird them with sashes, Aaron and his sons, and put the hats on them. The priesthood shall be theirs for a perpetual statute. So you shall consecrate Aaron and his sons. So then when you come to the book of Hebrews, these people are saying, Jesus can't be the one because he's not from Aaron's tribe. He's not a Levitical priest. He's a priest after the order of Melchizedek, who is even better. You see, he's what Abraham brought. So that's, that's the book of Hebrews. So Paul is proving that Jesus is a better sacrifice, a better salvation under a new covenant rather than the old, which was passing away. So you shall have the bull brought before the tabernacle, and Aaron and his son shall put their hands on the head of the bull. I'm identifying myself with this animal that's going to be slain. You shall take some of the blood of the bull, put it on the horns of the altar with your finger, pour all the blood beside the base of the altar. You shall take all the fat that covers the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver and the two kidneys and the fat that's on them and burn them on the altar. But the flesh of the bull with its skin, its offal, you shall burn with fire outside the camp. It is a sin offering. That's a substitute offering. You shall also take one ram and Aaron and his sons, this is the lamb, put their hands on the head of the ram, and you shall kill the ram, and you shall take its blood, sprinkle it all around the altar. You want to go back into the law of Moses? I don't. All of this. Then you shall cut the ram in pieces, wash its entrails and its legs, put them with its pieces with its head, and you shall burn the whole ram on the altar. It's a burnt offering to the Lord. It is a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord. You also shall take the other ram, Aaron and his son. Now when you get to Leviticus, the main offering was a whole burnt offering where the whole animal was dedicated to the Lord. Whereas when Jesus, he became the whole burnt offering, the whole person was dedicated to the Lord and paid for our sin. So he said, verse 19, you shall also take the other ram, and Aaron and his sons shall put their hands on the head of the ram. Then you shall kill the ram, take some of its blood and put it on the tip of the right ear of Aaron and on the tip of the right ear of his sons, the thumb of their right hand and the big toe of their right foot and sprinkle the blood all around the altar. See, the hearing, the service walk, where we walk, what we do with our hands. They had to consecrate the right ear, the thumb of the, what you do with your hands, where you go with your feet, it's all very important. This is self-judgment, actually. And you shall take some of the blood that's on the altar 
and some of the anointing oil and sprinkle it on Aaron and on his garments, on his sons and on the garments of his sons with him. And he and his garments shall be hallowed and his sons and his sons' garments with him. Also you shall take the fat of the ram and the fat tail, the fat that covers the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver, the two kidneys and the fat on them, the right thigh for the ram of consecration, one loaf of bread, one cake made with oil, one wafer, not two, see God's very specific, from the basket of the unleavened bread that's before the Lord. And you shall put all these in the hands of Aaron and in the hands of his sons, and you shall wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. You shall receive them back from their hands and burn them on the altar as a burnt offering, a sweet aroma before the Lord. It's an offering made by fire to the Lord. Then you shall take the breast of the ram of Aaron's consecration, wave it as a wave offering before the Lord, and it shall be your portion. And from the ram of the consecration, you shall sanctify the breast of the wave offering which is waved, and the thigh of the heave offering which is raised, of that which is for Aaron and that which is for his son. It shall be from the children of Israel, for Aaron and his sons by a statute forever. For it is a heave offering. It shall be a heave offering from the children of Israel, from the sacrifices of their peace offerings. That is, their heave offering to the Lord. And the holy garments of Aaron shall be his sons after him. To be anointed, you pass it down from the family to family, son to son. That son who becomes priest in his place shall put them on for seven days when he enters the tabernacle of meeting to minister in the holy place. And you shall take the ram of consecration and boil its flesh in the holy place. And Aaron and his son shall eat the flesh of the ram and the bread that's in the basket by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And they shall eat those things with which the atonement was made to consecrate and to sanctify them. But a stranger shall not eat them because they are holy. And if any one of the flesh of consecration offering or of the bread remains until morning, then you shall burn the remainder with fire. It shall not be eaten because it's holy. Thus shall you do to Aaron and his sons according to all that I have commanded you. Seven days you shall consecrate them, these boys, and you shall offer a bull every day as a sin offering for atonement. You shall cleanse the altar when you make atonement for it, and you shall anoint it to sanctify it. Seven days you shall make atonement for the altar and sanctify it, and the altar shall be most holy. Whoever touches the altar must be holy. Now this is what you shall do offer on the altar. Two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually. One lamb you shall offer in the morning, the other lamb the, the evening sacrifice at twilight. With the one lamb shall be one-tenth of an ephah of flour mixed with one-fourth of a hint of pressed oil and one-fourth of a hint of wine as a drink offering. And the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. You shall offer it with a grain offering and a drink offering in the morning for a sweet aroma and an offering made by fire to the Lord. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord where I will meet with you to speak with you. And there I will meet with the children of Israel at the door and the tabernacle shall be sanctified or set apart by my glory. So I will sanctify the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. I will sanctify both Aaron and his sons to minister to me as priests. I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them up out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Now next he goes back about the altar of incense, that it's one and a half feet square and three feet high. Little it was. It was the altar of incense that 
You shall not, verse 9, offer strange incense on it, or a burnt offering, or a meal offering, nor shall you pour a drink offering on this particular altar, that's the one that's right before the veil. And Aaron shall make atonement upon its horns once a year on the Day of Atonement, with the blood of the sin offering of atonement. Once a year he shall make atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy to the Lord. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This is the silver foundation. Everybody had to pay atonement money. Everybody was alike. The, the ground was level at the foot of the cross. The rich didn't pay more, and the poor didn't pay less. When you take the census of the children of Israel for their number, then every man shall give a ransom for himself to the Lord when you number them, that there may be no plague among them when you number them. See, this kind of makes you go on to about David decided to number the people when God didn't want him to, and a plague broke out among them. And so he could among them, so they had to do it just exactly as God said. This is what everyone among those who are numbered shall give, half a shekel or 20 geras. Half shekel shall be an offering to the Lord. Everyone included among those who are numbered from 20 years old and above shall give an offering to the Lord. The rich shall not give more, the poor shall not give less than half a shekel when you give an offering to the Lord to make atonement for yourself. And you shall take the atonement money of the children of Israel and shall appoint it for the service this money, the service of the tabernacle of meeting, that it may be a memorial for the children of Israel. It would pay for the works of the tabernacle to make an atonement for yourselves. Then the labor is to tell about. And then the anointing oil. The labor was for cleansing. And the anointing oil pictures the Holy Spirit. Um, and this anointing oil was one or two gallons. It had the smell of cinnamon and myrrh and it had a wonderful smell, this anointing oil that they would put on the priest. We'll skip that part. You can just read it. Then the incense, verse 34. And the Lord said to Moses, Take sweet spices, stacti, anica, galbanum, and pure frankincense with these sweet spices. There shall be an equal amount of each. And you will make an incense, a compound, according to the art of the perfumer, salted, pure, and holy. You shall beat some of it very fine and put some of it before the testimony of the tabernacle of meeting, where I will meet with you. It shall be most holy to you. But as for the incense which you shall make, you shall not make any for yourselves according to its composition. It shall be to you holy for the Lord. Whoever makes any like it, to smell it, he shall be cut off from his people. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. So Bezalel was able to design artistic works to work in gold, in silver, and bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. And I indeed, I have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan. I have put wisdom in the hearts of all who are gifted artisans, that they may make all that I have commanded them the tabernacle of meeting, the ark of the testimony, the mercy seat that's on it, and all the furniture of the tabernacle, a table and its utensils, the pure lampstand and all its utensils, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, and the laver and its base, the garments of ministry, 
holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments of his sons to minister as priests and the anointing oil and sweet incense for the holy place according to all that I have commanded you they shall do and then the Lord said to Moses speak also to the children of Israel saying surely my Sabbaths you shall keep for it is a sign the Sabbaths now they're plural Sabbaths so not just the weekend Sabbath but every one of these feast days is a Sabbath the week Jesus died there were four Sabbaths in a row four at once so these are my Sabbath they're a sign between God and Israel between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you you shall keep the Sabbath therefore for it's holy to you everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death for whoever does any work on the sixth day that person shall be cut off from among his people work shall be done for six days but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest holy to the Lord whoever does any work on the Sabbath day he shall surely be put to death. Therefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generation. This was to be a perpetual covenant as a sign. I've underlined this in every color, yellow, red, and green. It's a sign, the Sabbath, between Israel, the children of Israel, and me. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested. So it wasn't six elongated periods in the creative week, 6,000 years. This is the week like we know it, just like we know it. The six days, because he repeats what he said in the Ten Commandments. In six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. And when he had made an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone, written with the finger of God. And we read in Acts 7, and it was given to Moses and mediated by angels. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, just imagine all of this about Aaron's garments of glory and beauty. The people said to Aaron, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and he fashioned with it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. See, the bull. He made a bull. Um, the Egyptians worshipped the bull too. See, all these ancient people in the wrong way as an idol. But so make this bull. Uh, where'd they get the idea? Well, from the heavens. See, they read the star charts too, way back. So anyway, he made a molded calf. Then they said, this is your God, O Israel. Can you imagine how furious it made God? This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord, to this bull. Then they rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. And this word play in the Hebrew is a drunken sexual orgy like the heathen did. And so the Lord said to Moses, go get down 
for your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They've turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They've made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Not me, but this bull is that he's made. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore, God said to Moses, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and I'll make of you, Moses, a great nation. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God, and he said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people? He throws it right back at him. God says, these are your people, look what they've done. And then he says, why are you, your wrath against your people whom you've brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say, he brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and all this land that I've spoken of, I give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. And Moses turned and went down from the mountain, and the two tablets of the testimony were in his hand. The tablets were written on both sides, on the one side and on the other side they were written. Now the tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there's a noise of war in the camp. But he said, it's not the voice of those who shout in victory, nor is it the voice of those who cry out in defeat, but the voice of those who sing that I hear. So it was as soon as he came near the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing. So Moses' anger became hot. He cast the tablets out of his hand and broke them at the foot of the mountain. Then he took the calf which they had made, burned it in the fire and ground it to powder, and he scattered it on the water and made the children of Israel drink it. And Moses said to Aaron, What did this people do to you that you've brought so great a sin upon them? So Aaron said, Do not let the anger of my Lord become hot. You know the people that they're set on evil. For they said to me, Make us gods that shall go before us. As to this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. And I said to them, whoever has any gold, let him break it off. So they gave it to me, and I cast it into the fire, and this calf came out. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like human? You know, I didn't do it. This calf came out. This calf came out. Now, when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, they were carrying on without restraint. That's what this means. Aaron hadn't restrained them to their shame among their enemies. Then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp, and he said, Whoever's on the Lord's side, let him come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let every man put his sword on his side and go in and out from entrance to entrance throughout all the camp, every tent. Let every man kill his brother, every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. Then Moses said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, that he may bestow on you a blessing this day, for every man has opposed his son and his brother. 
And it came to pass on the next day that Moses said to the people, You have sinned a great sin, so now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, these people have sinned a great sin and have made for themselves a god of gold. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book which you've written. And the Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. But in the New Testament we read, If you believe in Jesus, he will not blot you out of his book. So believers are safe. He will not be blotted out. Now therefore, go lead the people to the place of which I have spoken to you. Go to the promised land. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit for punishment, I will visit punishment upon them for their sin. So the Lord plagued the people because of what they did with the calf which Aaron made. And we'll stop here. Next week we'll start with chapter 33, the repentance of the people. They were very sorry. Then in chapter 34, the covenant is going to be renewed. And then he repeats again about the building of the tabernacle and how Bezalel did the work. He repeats it, and that, that closes out then. We maybe can finish Exodus next week. Lord, we thank you for this time in your word. We see how very explicit you are and how everything is exactly like you. It has to be very perfect and just exactly as you say. So, Lord, when we come to you in the, under the new covenant, we just want to come your way. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's Jesus. So we come through Jesus, and you promise to take away our sins and make us ready for heaven and put within our hearts your Holy Spirit so that we can keep these commandments, even though we don't have to. But the Holy Spirit enables us to live the way you want us to live. Now, we still have our old sin nature, but we can say no to it. As Paul says in Romans chapter 6, we died with Jesus and we rose from the dead with him, so to speak. So we're to live new lives, resurrected lives in Jesus Christ. When we see this, Lord, it makes a difference in the way we live. So may we take heed in Jesus' name. Amen.